0: Yeah, yeah. We work to work, you late like to work, I holla and they send it You know my pride was colder than Chicago in December My bitch came up and go with her mama, what's her daddy? And when I'm in the mood, she say holla at your family My dog paid me that cup like candy. Yeah. My dog love. Bring out, out
1: so what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I'm very excited to have on Jimmy McCormick from ESPN Fantasy. What's going on, Jimmy? What's up, man? Uh, exciting week. It's a good time to come on. The the Jekyll and Hyde Sixers are are certainly Jesus. back. And so you were at the Boston game because you had you had tweeted at me that you were like, "Let me come on the podcast, talk some shit." You know, we <laughs> just got harden. I'm feeling fucking good. Right. Everything's going great. And then Boston comes out and absolutely destroys us. So, what was the vibe like in the building that night? Because obviously we have James Harden as the bell ringer. It's his first right. game at the game. And in classic Sixers fashion, when they have an awesome bell ringer just completely shit the bed. So what was the vibe like at the beginning of the game and then throughout
0: the game? Oh, yeah. It was like your cool cousin came over and, you know, for the pool party. And, you know, like like you're, you're like our, 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 our... We basically got pants in front of everybody, you know, Yeah, on, on national TV is what I'm trying to say. It was like this yeah. incredibly embarrassing moment. We were set up and it was in front of our coolest new friend, James. Um, <laughs> I mean, the cool part was... Like seeing it in person did feel real. Like obviously, you know, it was like, wow, he's allowed to play basketball for us. Um, a player who I can think, shoot and pass. Yeah. So, but I think it was the classic hangover game. You know, like the the, the, the Toby was on. You know, Oklahoma Zillow. Like there was just too much. I think a, a hangover from the trade. Um, that's what it felt like. It also it also felt like the Celtics. Um, couldn't miss so it was just yeah so it was just odd mix uh daryl made the joke uh, more made the joke this week that at least they didn't break like houston's record it's like thanks daryl we don't care about that record like <laughs> but you know like like
1: move on the, we know you have all your buddies here now. yeah
0: yeah I, you know i was sitting there like in the second quarter i was sitting next to i was like do you know that neil long is married to the coach like meaning i was already thinking of exciting things to talk about the celtics so uh <laughs> It was an embarrassing outcome, but at the same time, thankfully in the NBA, you can't take much from a single outcome because, like, true. The next night, these guys lose in in Detroit, <laughs> like the Amazing. Celtics. And two nights later, you know, you can set the stage. But two nights later, we're like, you know, making our cool cousin proud again. So like, yeah, like, like Harden, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, yeah.
1: Beat the defending champions in Milwaukee. You know, yeah, right. obviously they had they were missing a lot of rotation guys, but it is I needed this before the break for sure. Because if if we had gone out in embarrassing fashion in two straight games, like if we got blown out by Milwaukee last night, I would have been like I I just can't go a week With sitting on a loss like that. Like if the Boston game was the last game before the break, this would be the most doomer pod of all time. But like you said. They couldn't fucking miss. It was unbelievable. And, like, I think that Boston – you know, I think the Sixers have fared better against Boston over the past two seasons. They've kind of figured some things out. It does still seem like Horford kind of has – it it seemed like that last season that Horford was in Boston before he came to Philly, Embiid had kind of figured some things out against him. He put up some crazy stats. The Sixers were more competitive in those games. And it does seem like in two of the three games that we have played against the Celtics – Horford has kind of gotten in Embiid's head a little bit, and because of the fact that they're able to send, they have so many athletic guys that they have really switchable guys. They're able to. I God, I'm my own fucking critic right now. I just used the. I said the word switchable should be banned from podcasts, but it's true. <laughs> cool. Boston has a ton of switchable guys, a a ton of really good help defenders that can kind of just get in in Embiid's way and make him kind of speed up things. So that that fucked up the half-court offense. But I'm not as concerned about the offense as it showed last night in Milwaukee. When the shots are falling, this offense, especially when we have James Harden, is going to be deadly. Like, I'm not too concerned with that. It's the defense that I'm really concerned about, especially against a team like Boston. Because... Boston has two. Like, I think you were the one that actually said this when I DM'd you, which was basically like, "Were you the one that was talking about like, you know, oh great, the Sixers have no one who can defend wings and (laughs) the
0: entire Eastern Conference littered with star wings?" Yeah, at least there's not like seventeen of them in this (laughs) conference, right? Like, you know, like Zach Levine's hurt, and it's like, oh, there's like one less. Like, it's it's incredible. Um, but that's the thing. It's like this division was built like that. The Celtics. I kind of almost this was like their plan was to have the switchable right? Like the this the, the, the six six just like can 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 constantly get in your face, but at the same time, um I, I still think it was a, a hangover game. I really do. I think Embiid was a little bit gassed to an extent. And I really do think there's an emotional thing that happens when you like talk about trading half your team and then you and then it's consummated. So Yeah,
1: absolutely. And from what I remember in the first two Boston games, I'm not. I'm not. The, the first Boston game feels like so long ago to the me. First game, they
0: like it was that game where like uh, Boston just like didn't pass at all. It was like the ultimate like dysfunction game. Do you remember? Yeah. Like it was like like four assists and like forty turnovers. So it was. Yeah. It was like their worst, and this was our worst. Like this was like our like like complete flat footed, unathletic. So, like it was like it looked like it looked like Embiid and 11 George Yangs. Like, <laughs> yeah, like on Tuesday, you know? So, hey, not hey. Thursday
1: night, George Yangs. No,
0: not, no, 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 Tuesday. Well, Ned, <laughs> n- not Coach Harden, you version. So, yeah, so it, it did feel like
1: it, it, it feels like in the Boston game. So, first off, the first two Boston games were very close. Boston mm-hmm. had a little bit of a yep. disaster class in the first game and they still won. We beat them the second game when Embiid took over, which You know, uh, Robert Williams got into foul trouble earlier in the game, which I think generally speaking, if there is a situation, if we are to face off against Boston in the playoffs and you can get Al Horford or Robert Williams into foul trouble, it's going to be really difficult for them. I know they have Daniel Tice now. Like I think that their center rotation is, is better than it was, but Embiid has had his fair, fair amount of success against Robert Williams and against Daniel Tice. They're just not big enough really to keep up with him. Whereas Horford's a little bit stronger, He's a little bit more, like, he's a smart defender. Like, he knows exactly how to get into Embiid's head. And it feels like everything that could have possibly went wrong went wrong for the Sixers in that game. And as you said before... Boston, I mean, pull up three after pull up three after mm. like when Jalen Brown hit that three in the second quarter. Like
0: it was I was just like, what what can you yeah. do? Like it, it wasn't it wasn't Mobamba like not getting guarded. This was like actual like just yeah. shot making. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of
1: the reasons why I think that Boston and I said this before is like I feel like Boston is better than their record because mm-hmm. since they don't really have like a superstar superstar, like they just have a bunch of very high level guys. When they're missing one or two guys from their rotation, they can really struggle, and now they're finally back to being healthy. Of course, Marcus Smart gets hurt in that game, but on top of that, you just go – like, if all of their guys can be healthy, and as you said, they they, they want to do – well, let's call it versatile. Let's not call it yeah, switching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah let's say they have their versatile defenders, and right. they have tough shot makers, which really pays off come playoff time. Now – what it's funny because I feel like all season I've just been like, how can I judge the Sixers? How can I judge the Sixers because mm-hmm. they don't have Ben Simmons? And now it's like, How can I judge the Sixers? They don't have James Harden. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I prefer well, the second part. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, look, we have a player who theoretically will play for the Sixers sometime soon once he gets over his hamstring tampering injury that he exactly. has going on. Yeah. Hampering. Yeah. Yeah. Hampering. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like literally like it's so funny to me. I had people tweeting at me, like, no, they did a scam last week and they showed that and then I was like you believe that okay all right f- yeah. fair all right f- f- yeah. maybe maybe there is some <laughs> leftover from the last hamstring injury but now it's <laughs> the other hamstring like I'm just and it happened to come after the disaster class game from him in Sacramento I think that James Harden is probably fine right now but going into Milwaukee without him other than as you said being the coach really like right right him like I, I don't know if you saw the Keith Pompey article that came out that was basically oh my God. like
0: it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. I live for Keith Pompey updates. So.
1: It's so great. Like it's been one week and he's like everything's going great. Do you like, think that he just copied and, and and pasted a press release?
0: I think he took like a text message and was like I can even spice I can spice this up even more, you know? Like <laughs> you know my PR flow. So
1: <laughs> my, my <laughs> propaganda flow, uh, my state pro- Sixers state propaganda flow. But the, I like it. the the my favorite part of this article by Keith, which was okay. So this is how the article starts: the rhetoric coming out of Brooklyn would lead <laughs> me to believe that James Harden was a bad teammate at the end of his tenure there. Which, look, I'm yeah. glad he's on the Sixers. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that he's not on the Nets anymore, and I'm not going to criticize whatever he did. But he was a bad teammate. Even if it is justified, he was a bad teammate. That's fine. Star players do this all the time. He did it in Houston. He did it in Brooklyn. I don't even blame him for it. But objectively speaking, he was not a great teammate his last few weeks there.
0: Okay. Now I love he, feeling like a heat a heat fan who got Butler like that's what it feels like now like this terrible thing he, he did it's okay he, he didn't like Philly <laughs> you know what I mean I'm saying like we finally get to sorry but we finally get to we're able to we're able to be like it's actually a good thing that he stabbed his team
1: through. yes come on <laughs> it's part of growth <laughs> it's, it's, he it's, just <laughs> wants to win okay nice. if you want a loser then go find some fucking loser
0: all right yeah go he, go he, drink he, some oat milk. <laughs>
1: hey I'm vegan that hurts but uh, anyway um the, the 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 funny thing is and Jack brought this up on the last episode the, the bigger thing about hardened to me before I finish up my Keith Pompey sure thing, the bigger thing about hardened to me is, is even if it doesn't result in a title if it doesn't result in us like making a run or whatever and it flames out, Is that I care more about the fact that a player wanted to come to Philadelphia and play for the Sixers. Now, yes, it might be because he has the relationship with Maury. It might be because of the Tad Brown thing. It might be because he just wanted to get the fuck out of Brooklyn. But it is important to me that players want to come here because we've never had this before. It just hasn't happened. And until you get one, you're not going to get any other. So at least this is a guy who chose us and was like, trade me there. And I'm hoping that that creates some sort of ripple effect that we could get maybe during Embiid's Prime, maybe we could get a third star. Or we could get something down the road that would kind of make things, like, better, even if we don't win a title.
0: Yeah, there's a gravitational effect to all of it, right? Like, we see that around the league. But also, even if this is an outlier event, right? Which, because it kind of reads like an outlier event, right? Of course <laughs> it is. Given history. If Say this is just an atypical thing where all these things aligned and a superstar came here. It's still an incre- incredibly experiential thing, meaning fandom, right? We, we talk yeah. about like the ring, the ring, the ring. I mean, like we gave Raptors fans like I don't know what we did, giving them a ring. But what I mean is like it, empa- <laughs> it 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 empowers you. It empowers the experience to have the title. I'm sure. I have no idea. I was I'm old. I was three years old when they last won. That was a long time ago. Um, but I just imagine the experience, right? Like, I, I know what the Super Bowl felt like. Uh, exactly. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, I'm just excited also for this to be real, like, to have James Harden and somebody that I want. But also, I always felt kind of to comply with with Ben. Like, I, like, who knows where it was going to go, but it always felt like I felt like I knew where it was going to go, where I have no idea where this is going to go. So of like that.
1: that- that's a good point. Not, and there is a level of unpredictability to it that makes it exciting. Because yes. like, I going back to your Raptors point, I think we might have given them a little bit too much courage. I think that we gave sure. an entire nation of people un, uh, <laughs> to uh, to quote Bill Simmons, um, what is, uh, irrational confidence. Confidence, yes. Like, yeah. The irrational confidence. And I think that the, and, and I said this before, like, I want to be the team that, like, every time we played against the Raptors, I was like, even after they won the title, I was like, "Fuck, we have to play yeah. against the Raptors again. Like, yeah, they're so annoying. They like I, I call harass them Nick her, Nurse. And harass us. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, okay, not even just the fans, like the actual team. Like yeah, the the like Nick Nurse is. I I've said it before. It's like he's like a basketball fascist. Like he, is. he <laughs> will he will do anything to, and I respect it. But I yeah. also am just like he will grind yeah. you out, and you saw Giannis doing a little bit this la- yeah. of this last night in the Bucks yeah. game, where they're trying to just like do literally anything to like grind <laughs> out a win, like they'll do full, full court press in the third quarter to get you tired and just get you and wind you wind you down, and the Sixers now are kind of on the other side of this, where like absolutely, even if we're the foul baiting team, even if mm-hmm. we're the team that like wins with math. I want to be the team that drives other people crazy and I feel like I feel like having a guy like Harden and having pairing him with someone like Embiid like even if I feel like the flaws of this team as a whole constructed are pretty great I feel like the the margin for error is just going to be larger for this team when you have two guys who can create their own shot James Harden who's a high level playmaker Joel Embiid who is a high level defender and then you can literally just like like why, One of the reasons why I think their offense is just going to be good is like,
0: it's just math. Like yeah, manufacturing. Yeah, just, yes. <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> just. manufacturing consent. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like it's like we have a quota. Like it's like it's beautiful, and that's the, the the kind of the 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 sterile kind of science part that that the Maury part can like get to people, and it's the part that we find endearing and love. Like of course, it's yeah, it's the Hank it's the it's the, the it's the the timeline itself is just incredible. We know that, but just. That 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 we still have a hinky mindset. It's beautiful. So the process brain,
1: which is yeah. basically like we w- th- yeah. th- there is a chance that we will win this game based on things that might even be like it's it's almost like built into the process of it. It's like even if Joel Embiid can't hit a fucking shot or James Harden can't hit a fucking shot. Those guys, one of them's getting to the line ten times in a game, and you can't stop that. Like, they're not gonna go Ben Simmons at the line. They're gonna hit at least seven or eight free throws, and you're gonna be incredibly frustrated And, and part of and another thing is like and it's one thing that like I think Embiid's conditioning has gotten better, and I think that Harden could probably get better with his conditioning, but having those guys both at the same time will allow the other one to rest literally during the game and then also rest during the free throw parade that we will be having over the next few months and and making it so that gu- these guys can basically save all of their energy for late in the games which has been the biggest issue is that when we get down yeah. into crunch time we
0: have no one because everyone's fucking exhausted Oh yeah, we've always lived as Sixers fans in that two-minute like clutch bandwidth where we're just like, oh shit, this is gonna go bad. You know, oh, some disaster. But we're always but we've always been there. It's getting to that point, that high leverage, you know what I'm saying? That high leverage swing moment. We've been there so many times. We just, you know, suck at it. So
1: And luckily, not only not only
0: do we have two guys that are like
1: absolute pain in the ass to go up against, we'll be able to kind of work off each, each other and kind of figure things out we also have the energizer bunny on our team oh my in god Tyrese
0: like he does that guy ever get tired it's just so rare that that um the player that like is on top of sixers twitter draft board that kind of thing like actually ends up here especially after some of like our like psychic traumas <laughs> like from the mikhail <laughs> bridges shay Gil- gilgis alexander experiences like you know especially the process again that rewired our brains to think in terms of like the outcome of the of the the, the potential so but in any case um, i don't want to interrupt too much about this keith pompey thing because like how can we not oh yeah keith like get, how, how can we not get back to like keith's masterpiece because like he is he, he's the beat of like there's beat writers he's the heartbeat of he is. sixers he's the <laughs> like, It's so funny cuz i had a, uh, my friend texted me
1: and was like – I think that no – I think he, in his own way, is just like Matt, who comes on the podcast all the time, yeah. came on and was basically like there's no one that just has as much confidence to put this stuff out there. Yes. So like, oh, yeah. It's just like the the bravado of Keith. No irony I mean, at all. Yeah, yeah. No, there's not a <laughs> single sense of irony or self-awareness of anything. He's just no, putting – he's, he's literally a real Hooper journalist. Like he's it's just incredible. letting it flow, like off the top. But so – The second paragraph of this after the paragraph about James Harden being a bad teammate in Brooklyn. I'm sorry. Yeah, the second paragraph. But the rhetoric coming from the Sixers is the complete opposite. They'll tell you that Harden has been a welcomed addition and positive influence on his teammates in six days, by the way, when this was published. (laughs) Oh, and he's only been here for like five of them.
0: Four? I don't know. (laughs) This reminds, Okay, so look, like six years ago, I went to rehab, right? And this reminds me of like the first week of rehab when some guy's like, my life's completely different. I have everything <laughs> together. It's like, Bill, you came in like in handcuffs, like six days ago. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like like what I mean is like this incredible life rejuvenation. I just love it. I love that Harden's a different man. Let, let's let's let let's give ourselves some
1: buffer here. Let's give ourselves some, yeah. some time to kind of and like yeah. once again, totally okay with the move. love the move, saved my podcasting life over here. right. but. We know that things in two, three years could go bad, but that's, once again, built into the experience. And while you're in this window, you need to do everything that you can to possibly win because you know that the relationships that James Harden has had with his teammates in the past, they're always great at first. He loved when he got to Brooklyn. He loved when he first got his guys in Houston. I don't know about Dwight Howard, but I know that him and Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and like everything's going to go swimmingly to the point where like Harden's on the sideline telling Maxi to be more aggressive and get downhill and then thank right. him afterwards when he's scoring George Niang telling him to put up 10 threes. Like I feel like one of the things that I keep talking about is Doc Rivers and we'll, we'll lead. We'll, I, I'll talk a little bit about Doc, but before I get to that, just wrapping up the key thing, he's been great. Doc Rivers said of the perennial All NBA selection. That's just that. That is such a you know a gripping quote that <laughs> yeah, adds so yeah, much to the story.
0: I mean, the, the, the insight, Doc. I mean, he's been great, folks. We love him. We lo- and we are loving James Harden over here. But he responded. He responded to my texts. Like that's the bar with Sixers. You know what I mean? It's like you just had a guy who wouldn't look him in the eyes, right? It's like it's like it's like he actually ate the food we gave him today. It's credible. <laughs> it's like you know Ben hasn't talked to me in two years, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. It's like – it's literally just like basically come to practice and be a human being. That's what I mean, yeah. Already cleared the bar. Just like smile at people. Don't act like Garfield. Like (laughs) you will will absolutely get along with everyone here. I will say culturally speaking, it does seem like there has been a shift this season. Like I think last year the vibes were good because we were winning, and I think the vibes were good because it felt like we had a new coach – we, we were some proving something guys. wrong it felt
0: like. Yeah, it felt like we were yeah, proving something didn't wrong. Yeah, it did feel right.
1: It felt like it felt like things were going too well and of course eventually right, it they did. did not. Just like we were used to, but but this year it does generally feel like with Ben not being around, that whole that whole saga being over, like Paul Millsap seems like he has good vibes. Like he yeah. he's he's been pretty terrible defensively, but like his vibes are like Seemingly off the charts They Everyone since they got like Paul Millsap James Harden, they just keep talking about the culture And I'm like, are we the culture team now? Or is this like what? Yeah. Is, is Doc and is Maury And is Joel and Bede Like, are they Responsible for this new Like, positive Vibe for the Sixers? Like, it feels like the It feels so Foreign to me that like, guys Like, are smiling at practice
0: <laughs> Right, um I'm going to just go ahead and say that it's going to, like, my guess would be it's Embiid, yeah. right? Like, th- that's something, like, he's this transformative leader. Um, and not that he was ever a poor leader, per se, but just, like, the engagement went up. And also, yeah. I think, like, the some of the, like... I have no idea what the level of this. I don't think there actually was this active discomfort between him and Ben. But what I'm saying is just that, like now, it's truly there's no jockeying for any sort of air, right? It's like it was a power struggle. Yeah, it was, it was, and and that's what we've learned. However, like passive aggressive, it was even over the years, and that's kind of how they work. I'm not even making fun of that. Like it's like been a yeah. long term, like like. It wasn't even bitter. It was just that odd office space thing that they kept going for, you know, and yeah, absolutely, like, Ben was just like, where's my stapler? And they would all laugh, you know, like, <laughs> so, like so, 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 but in any case, I just think the accountability, like we can take goofy quotes. But when you watch the team as much as we have, like you see it, Joel just has a different temperament and a different like accountability is not the word, but it's just like he's more of an old head. Like he yeah. just seems it's a like, you know, he's he's twenty-seven or whatever, but he seems like the old head on the team now. And I guess like at some point Tobias giving out like quinoa recipes was cool, but now they're like you know what I mean? Like and Al Horford gave insurance quotes. Like all those guys are like like the real thing is that your best player is also like your best character guy, it seems like now. Or your he's setting the examples. And there was definitely some petty shit when he was like calling out You know, saying, like, I can call out Tyrese, I can call out, uh, you know, Matisse about their games and see them grow. But I think that culture of accountability is like Joel. And also, it really helps when you show up the next year a lot better after the year you were the best. Yeah. Like it's true. So, so so leadership is also that way, right? Like it is. Um like lead by example shit like, Yeah, like my dad other my, guys will. Yeah, my dad's one of the, my dad's like a super quiet guy, but he just like was one of those like leader like quiet leader type dudes. And the, you, you can't really know that until you're around that type. Ben, I don't know, he's just a quiet quiet guy. And that's not even an <laughs> insult. It's <laughs> just not who not who he is. Yeah, like and I you know, I think the whole loner point guard thing was always a weird look if you thought about it. You know, <laughs> like, it, <it's laughs> like, kind of <laughs> conflicting. Yeah, like, 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 I do like, loner quarterbacks. <laughs> no, exactly what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, but in any case, long story short, Rambling, I just think that in the history of all like the nerdy NBA books I've read, whenever you see like a big shift in a team's culture, it's it comes from the player like one of the best players doing it. You know, like you could have your great character guys in the end of the bench, but I think culturally, Joel is the guy because. Let's be honest. Like Doc has his, also his history. You talked about like the first year with Doc, the first year with James, first year with Doc is usually great. So where are we going from here? Hundred percent, right? You know, um, yeah. So it's this is one of those things where um, one of the things I also feel comfortable about this is, much as it's mysterious the Harden experience, it also feels like we're married in now a little bit more, and the tumult of all those years of like at any point your roster could flip like do you, you remember the the butler season we could get we could get a an update like every three days that we traded seven players, meaning oh, like the, absolutely, the ro- yeah the roster changed so much there Those was so much two seasons really we I
1: think we literally had the most players we even had during the process years during that season,
0: yeah, so I just think long story short, I think we're married to this now, so we're gonna actually have some continuity even though it's gonna you know be somewhat dramatic uh because you know that's how the Sixers work. We're the most dramatic team in the history of sports. So.
1: It's true. We 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 are. We cannot. We we are the uh, person who says they hate drama, but they actually love drama. Like Sixers yeah. are the human embodiment of a high schooler who hates drama. But but, but kind of going back to the Daryl, like talk about like is it Maury? Is it Doc? Right? Is it Embiid? Maury, One of the things he when he got here, they asked him about like, what do you do for a work culture? And he literally said he's like. Your best player is the one who needs to like lead by example. Your your best players like I let the guys create their own culture because it literally comes down to lead by example. It comes down to like m- keeping them happy, but also making sure that like th- they are engaged. Because like the second your star player is unengaged, as we know, as every team you're knows, yeah. you're fucked. Like like basically w- whether whether the strategy in Houston was good enough or was was good or not. That's what his plan was the whole time was keep James happy. James is an MVP candidate. He could be the best player on a title team. And in order to win a title, I did think it was interesting when he did go on rights to Ricky Sanchez this week. That it was the first time I've ever heard him say James was not the best player. Which yeah 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 that was kind. I mean like and I understand he know, and once again about keeping your best player happy and keeping them like. Engaged and making sure and like of course he's gonna talk about he's having an MVP season, but like if you ever listen to any of his quotes from when he was in Houston, oh yeah,
0: he yeah, he's yeah.
1: like James is the greatest scorer of all time. James yeah. James is one could go down as one of the ten best players of all he time. He was
0: willing to have like active Kobe arguments, like as an adult. Like like but he was willing to like, have active Michael Jordan. I part. know it was it was
1: impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the level of commitment that he had to this bit was just completely Completely amazing, but I I just think that it's like it does show a little bit of a shift in like if he knew that Harden would get upset by him saying that I don't think he would say it, which is right. important. Yeah, because, yeah. Like Harden, one of the things that people keep talking about is like you know this is Harden's team. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this is Embiid's team, and Harden is coming into it. He's going to be the be the one that has to adapt. Really, for only the second time in his career, and the last time that happened was last year, and things did have not gone great. A lot of different factors, obviously.
0: But on but the floor like, they seem to go well, like so
1: when they all were the... winning, yeah, yeah, before the vaccine thing, before the, right. like it went, before the injury, all that shit seems seem things seem totally fine. But I do just think that it's like it even if Harden doesn't believe any of the things that Maury's saying. He's okay with him saying that because he wouldn't say it unless he was. And I think that that at least shows me, and maybe I'm just trying to tell myself this because I'm like, everything's great right now. We're doing great We the defending champions. We got James Harden coming in a week when he gets over his fake uh, Havana syndrome injury, and we're going to be fucking great. But it does feel like that is such an important thing to me because it was like you said, like, Maury's been going on all these shows and doing, like, the same – his tight five. He's doing, yeah, right. like – he's doing his stand-up. He's like, hey, like, riffing and doing jokes and whatever. Ah, NFTs and, like, he can't even sell <laughs> the NFT.
0: Oh, that was amazing, yeah.
1: He's on Rice Ricky Sanchez. He's like, yeah, I guess it is kind of fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it does feel like he doesn't say those things unless James is okay with it. And to me, that at least – shows a difference in mindset from James Harden. Like, he is okay with being the 1A or maybe even the 2.
0: That seems like the impression that you get. And I also just think, like, skill overlap-wise, there is a thing. I was like, oh, you know, there's only one ball. There's only one ball. We saw that last year. There still is this incredible – they were playing jazz last year, you know, yeah. in terms of just, like, they didn't seem to have an issue. Um, and it's funny, all, like, the gumming up the offense and all that stuff comes out in the, the hit pieces afterwards on Harden, which – we talked. It's completely natural for that to happen when you, when you abandon a team, you're gonna get some hit pieces, right? Of course. In any case, in any case, Especially I just when suppose, you don't have an agent. Yeah, exactly. You're just like literally on an island. Um, my thing with 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 that I, that I appreciated was that we actually did see the game shift, like the off the court shift we didn't see with James, but we absolutely saw him change his game. Like, um, you're not gonna get always the best basketball talk on the Hoop Collective, but like I thought Tim McMahon had a great point, just like. The, the, a lot of the talking points are a little off here. We're talking about can James handle what you're talking about? the hierarchy shift, not the basketball shift because exactly. he, he was asked to be he was asked to control the game on a string for Brooklyn and he was like, sweet, gotcha. And yep. did it at a really elite level. And our memories naturally are all very short, but we're broken. They broke our brains and we look in like, you know, a two week window would be impressive if I had that. Right. Yeah. So no, like, like we're, we're give me a 200 day, give me a 200 day window. And I can tell you that like James Harden was an actual MVP candidate. Like, and that's not like being goofy. And he was really excellent. He really was there. Um, I hope that's the, the, the version that the Sixers acquire, um, What I'm saying is, I think that the basketball mix isn't the question for me. It's what you're saying. Can he sustain whatever the issues were? Like, I don't think even that's the issue. I don't know. It seems like there was a lot of off-the-court stuff in Brooklyn that that hit the wall. Um, Philadelphia is obviously known for having a lot of drama, too. But I don't see – like, you said it best. I feel more comfortable because Maury is the one who – is kind of like setting this all up, and oh, he's he knows. Got a painting
1: how- of James Harden behind him.
0: So it's incredible. He knows how James likes like things, right? He knows what James likes. He knows that he only wants red M and M's. Whatever. The the, the another d- terrible Daryl joke, right? So like, I'm just excited. One, he has no idea what an NFT is. Like like J- James does. Dow doesn't either. Apparently. Yeah. No. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: James doesn't even. Young Thug said James doesn't even have internet.
0: So and I'm so listen. excited by that. Like he doesn't even yeah. ask you for the Wi-Fi. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, we need less online players. I agree. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, people are like, change. I don't ever. I want to win the championship and never have him change his Twitter bio. I wanted to say guard for the Brooklyn Nets when he's holding up the championship.
1: Sorry, he changed it already, <laughs> and he changed oh. it. Oh no. I know. Oh pain. Pain. pain I wanted the most
0: doing. I wanted the most boomer offline scoring guard
1: ever. You know, like. It would be even funnier if he just had like a guard for the Arizona State Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I they love the Wildcats. I think they are. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. That's yeah, Arizona. Yeah, so yeah. right? Right? Yeah. Well, Arizona's well, I mean, the Wildcats.
0: So yeah. Arizona's, Arizona's the
1: Wildcats, the Sun Devils. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> that would be incredible. But I kind of just like, let's talk a little bit about, because the on the court stuff, I'm not as worried. I am a little bit worried about the defense. I've gone over this before. I don't think that, the, and he, and Maury, of course, was on there on rice to Ricky Sanchez and was like, defense is going to be fine. Defense. James is great. J- James is great on the ball, off the ball. He leaves a little bit to be desired, but you know, they're not used to Joel runs a drop. Uh, Harden runs a switching system you know they're going to have to adjust and it's like okay well we have like 20 games to figure that out before the playoffs yeah. and then we also have like our only really good defender like that yeah. is like is like a massive negative on offense and that is incredibly concerning to me to the point where by the way he could only play like 13 minutes last night because his yes. defense wasn't holding up and they were like okay well if your defense isn't holding up you're complete zero and a few days ago, I was heard this, and I don't believe this, by the way. But it was, we were we were told that he was off the table in trade talks and virtually untouchable for mm. the second time. And I think a lot of that was just like, let's boost this guy's convenience. Yeah, the value. exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I just like going back to like everything that Maury said on that podcast, like, the one thing he kept bringing up was the buyout guy. I, I, I he brought it up. I think they brought mm-hmm. it up like twice and they talked about how, like, last year they thought they were going to get a buyout guy. I've been trying to figure out who this guy is because right. I, okay, so the Celtics game was concerning. Like, this, so like, we were kind of hanging early. And then the second Embiid went to the bench, it was like, oh no, this is, over completely over like we we could do nothing on either end it was a disaster and then by the time Embiid came back in the game was over so the backup center thing and I know that people right now are very concerned about the wings and the guards or more so the wings than anything else Mm -hmm. they they they're like we just need a two-way wing and I'm like so does every team in the NBA good luck Yeah, (laughs) yeah exactly it's like I think the best player you realistically could have got at the deadline that was traded was probably, like, Tory Craig, who, like, right. really, what's what's the difference between Torrey Craig and, like, Matisse Theibel and Danny Green? Like, they're right. all relatively in the same bucket of wing, and, like, it's maybe a you bigger. can get yeah, to, that's like, it. Yeah. a good game from Niang and Moss, like you did last night, and, like, like you can fill in the gaps around that stuff and, and hope to figure it out, but this buyout big thing is actually kind of important to me because, like... We know that we have been and like James will make the backup center more viable if he is a rolling threat or if he is a stretch big, but we know that the Sixers have had a history of struggling when Joel goes to the bench, even when we had Jimmy Butler and like, is this version of James Harden better than Jimmy, that version of Jimmy Butler? Maybe we'll see in the playoffs, but like, who do you think it could possibly be? Because I've racked my brain Mm -hmm. and I've written out things and the only player I don't There are two players I really don't want it to be. If we get Ennis Cantor, the podcast is canceled. It's over. We're done. I'm cool. I don't ever want to see Ennis Cantor in a Sixers jersey. I won't call him Ennis Freedom. It's a joke. I do just want to say I also don't want DeAndre Jordan. But those were the two fears Mm. that I had in my brain. was like, oh, no, we're going to get one of those two. And then Doc's going to be like, oh, I got a veteran big. And he's just going to – And like there's no way that those guys are any better than like Paul Reed. Like
0: they're just what? not like, and just like that first doc press conference where he's like, we all have different belief systems. It's just like, stop it doc. Stop it. When he's like trying to explain why Ennis Cantor is a good offensive rebounder. It's like world BT party. I, I don't need this. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do this. Um, the hope is that it's Derek favors, right? That's the hope. I have some um, bad news about Derek, I, favors. but it's not going to be Derek favors. Is it? They're not going to buy him the Oklahoma city thing. No. What does he, what? so they haven't reached the salary floor. Uh, yeah. Right.
1: So all the players get money, but Bobby Mark said on a podcast it's not – the reason why Oklahoma City didn't make any trades at the deadline was because all those guys were like, don't trade me. Because they get the money, right. Because they but, get like an extra $2 million at the yeah, end like, of the season. Yeah, it's like 23
0: divided by the roster.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. so apparently it's also – I'm not positive on this one, but I heard that it was prorated. So um, since Derek Favors makes the most amount of money of any player on the team – he would actually get the largest share of money if it were spread out. So like which doesn't it doesn't really make any sense to me because it's like you already make the most money, but he's still yeah. like compared to like he's not like a max guy. He's like makes like nine million a year. It's probably just proportional, right? So yeah, exactly. So he'll probably get the most of the so he's like, please, I'm not okay. getting bought out. Like you. you have to be willing to be bought out. Yeah, the
0: bought out is a service. The bought yeah. out is and especially a team like Oklahoma City whose like goal in a buyout would be marketing pr to say listen you want to come here next year we'll we'll do what your client we will help your client you know you'll you exactly so that's a shame (laughs) because i actually liked uh some of his numbers especially his like block and rebounding rates when he was with utah like when he was with a good team he and that's not that long ago oh robin lopez isn't very good at basketball anymore and he never really was
1: and he doesn't Uh, fit that's my my big thing he's a clogger yeah Right, and it's like that's why I don't want Canter. That's why it's I not going to roll. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, like Drummond is a post up big who like does a lot of that stuff and can operate out of the high post and stuff. But he also can occasionally roll and like a little protect bit, yeah. the rim and like do things that you want your role player center to do. Whereas and like he pretty good hands on defense. Yeah. Like he was kind of active. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like he had an impact on the game that was not just like you couldn't just break it down to like he's a right. stretch big. He's size. a size big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. just like vague terms that we throw yeah. around. Yeah, you're and, right. And I feel like Robin Lopez is the only one I can think of. I I can't really yeah. think of like I heard some people bring up Tony Bradley, and I'm like, I just don't think they're gonna buy out Tony Bradley.
0: Like I no, there, there's a couple other guys on that team. Is it Thomas? There's a couple other guys that I think they might cut end of the there. roster for the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: they have like a European. guy. You know what? Too,
0: pleased. I don't think this is much. A, a, a who knows if it's a Daryl thing, but like Doc's the kind of guy. I feel like if you played a good ten minutes against him, he'll never forget it. And 100%. like, oh no, Robin Lopez hit like seven hook shots on us one time, and I think Last he's year. like, remember that? He's like, you remember that? remember that it's like shit doc we do remember that (laughs) like like he's got he's got one of those like he's got like an anecdotal memory do you know what i mean he's like you remember that that six minute stretch i mean he he signed josh smith after a playoff series yeah 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 he's like i know you like so that's you know it's like it's not ideal um but uh, yeah i guess my hope my my sixers emotional hedging would be like the idea that uh, while Butler wasn't as successful keeping the offense afloat, this is gonna be more like you know James James's like offense, right? like I would I would I would just counter that maybe I don't know. I don't want to dive into all that lineup data, but like maybe like James wasn't really empowered the way they probably should have been looking back, right? like to have like really orchestrated that second unit. Maybe James can and keep us afloat because I'd rather patchwork it with seeing if maybe this is optimistic, but seeing like if it's on roster right like yeah. then if it's one of those guys but I'll trust Daryl I'll trust their system like it's just that uh, who is it i mean thankfully the wording seems to have already ruled out Cantor, right cuz he said like imminent buyout or it seemed like yes. he couldn't talk about the player right um, yeah. cuz he Drew mentioned New i Banks, can't talk is
1: another guy that like probably he was already cut yeah
0: bradley would be my favorite but it's not going to happen um, yeah. and also the reason it's not going to happen is because um, while they were talking, the the pressure for that to happen would have just happened. Meaning, like he knew about it and he hadn't yet known about Tristan going to Chicago. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, right, that was weird. I was like, okay, so so like you're in the loop. Well, first off, yeah. I knew we. I'm, I'm
1: glad we didn't get Tristan Thompson because sure. this version of Tristan Thompson is. Bad. Oh no, yeah, yeah, he's been bad for like four years. Yeah, and it does seem like everyone was like, "Oh, great, get for Chicago," and I'm like. Maybe. I don't know. He every time yeah. I watch him, he's terrible. D- yeah, Jordan yeah. Reed ended his life last year on the Celtics. And I I I knew we weren't gonna get him if he was to get bought out because he's a clutch guy. And I think that I think I don't think that Rich Paul is gonna be like have a complete vendetta against Maury to the point where like if Maury was like, "Hey, we'll overpay Cantavius Caldwell Pope or like right, one of yeah, your yeah. smaller clients," he would be like, "Yeah, fine, sure." But sure. like, he's not going to do us any favors anytime no. in the next in the next few months. Funny enough, I wonder. I actually think Derek Favors might be a clutch client, but it, but just <laughs> That'd be even better. A little bit of wordplay there, but I I think that like. The, the the weird thing about it was he's like, Oh, I'm kind of frustrated we can't announce it yet. And I'm like, Well then what's the fucking holdup? Like
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Ca- give it to Keith, somebody leak it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need I need some leftover
0: slot, which is what buyout buyout stuff oh is because Can you imagine you imagine the Keith Pompeii uh, character rehabilitation f- focus on Anis Cantor? He's like it's like it's like the rhetoric was this is one of the worst people in the world. <laughs> no Pre- Keith, no
1: the President G based media will have you believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, January sixth flow. It's like Jesus Christ, Keith. <laughs> Set, set multiple oh. alarms, Keith. So Okay,
1: I've changed my mind. Ennis Cantor can become a Sixer <laughs> if, if only we get some fire Keith content out of it. That's the only we, way. It's the only he way. Just, he's, he's going hardcore for, for the CIA and go, going ham. But um, so another thing that came out this week, just a little bit, just like, you know, obviously Maury goes on his press tour. He does, like, he, he told a story on Coward, which you listened to the Coward interview. Yeah. I heard the one little clip which was basically talking about like we had two first round picks and Mm -hmm. we were trying to get X player from the Western conference and we couldn't get this player. And then we turned around and we were like, do we want to use the two first round picks to get James Harden? And someone in the front office was like, come on, it's James Harden. And I'm like, that was you.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. It it was a strange thought exercise. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah.
1: Okay. I know that that was a lie because I'm like, so you couldn't get, you couldn't use two first round picks to get a really good player that would fit on the Sixers. But Derek white just got traded for one first round pick in a swap. Right. Like, right. The math was not adding up so, some yeah. somewhere there, but, but there is a new theory from Zach Lowe. I don't know if you saw, saw the yeah. book that I posted the other day, is which it a is conspiracy theory or
0: yeah. It's cause like, yeah. Okay,
1: so it might explain because like, I still am like trying to figure out cause like one, w- once again, glad that Daryl Morey made the trade when he made the trade because I think you need to do everything you can to salvage Joel Embiid's MVP-level season once again. Totally agree with it. But it doesn't really fit what he has tended to do in the past. Like, he's very careful with, quote-unquote, assets. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not just, like, going to, like – I think he will overpay for a star if he needs to because it's, like – We did this after the Anthony Davis trade. Like, oh, the Lakers overpay. Oh, they won the title. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he wouldn't care about losing the argument if they get the star and they can figure that stuff out later. But if he knew that James Harden was going to come here this summer and he knew that Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets were falling apart and he knew he didn't have to give up Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two first-round picks, all that shit, then why did he trade for him now? Other than the fact to just salvage the season and, like, maybe take – capitalize on this moment where you can make this trade. there That might just be it. That might be the explanation. Zach Lowe's theory on it was he has heard – and this is bouncing around the league – that the Sixers and James Harden could be working together and basically that he could take a lower amount of money over the course of this next contract. And then they could dump Tobias Harris with the two first-round picks that they'll be able to trade this summer, which they can – Either draft someone at the draft and then trade a super far in the in, in the right. future first round pick to create cap space. Now I've done all the math and like the most amount of cap space, even if Harden took like a ten million dollar pay cut on his first year and like forty million dollars less or whatever, it would still only be like twenty million something in cap space. But like, I'm starting to think that like there might be more. Like, first off, that's something, not good for yeah. the tampering end of it. Right. Like, no, yeah, 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 yeah definitely yeah. will get busted for that. But for just like a general team building strategy, like there might be something to that because this off season is going to be the first time that Mori can one fully build the team in his own vision with his own guys. And then on top of that, it's the first time that he can, like, it might be the last time before Joel Embiid's Supermax kicks in, before Tyrese Maxey gets paid, before Matisse Theibel potentially gets paid, that he could have the opportunity to bring in a quote-unquote third star. So, I don't know if I believe yeah, yeah, that, yeah.
0: but there might be some truth to it. I believe anything with, with, with Daryl. Like, I think he's capable of anything. I really do believe he has, like, a, like a dream board. He's like a, you know, like... Like like a, like a middle school girl with, like, he has, like, all of his – or boy, whatever. I'm saying he has all of his greatest dreams, like, somewhere written down, meaning, like, he actually has pathways to some pretty ridiculous shit, I think, mapped out. Um, it's hard to tell what he was saying with that second thing. It sounded to me like he was saying he was willing to overpay for a player that would create so, – so, yeah, so he was saying, like, it was like a thought exercise, right, testing the market – I think, yeah, I, but I do think the priority to get him in – there is a conspiracy theory that, like, there's a priority to get Harden in before so that he could fit it contractually and go after whatever this next machination of the Sixers is. Yeah. I also think it was just if he ran out um, – if you ran out, like, simulations, he's like, there are simulations where, like, Brooklyn goes crazy and wins the championship, and then I'm fucked. Like, so, I, 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 however, percent, I, I don't think he thought that was an incredibly high percentage chance, but that was one of the only variables. Whether he felt very comfortable that James was available, I just wonder what he, what he thought that might change, right? Like, maybe that changes their leverage or their position or whatever. Um, but yeah there's something funky and that's the beauty of Maury and that was like the beauty of Hinky at times was just like he's l- literally thinking of things way beyond Like I'm screaming about buyout candidates and he's like you know he's like making sure like Bradley Beal's wife is comfortable with the schools in this area like do you know what I mean and like I'm freaking out about like this archaic stuff but I also think uh, vision wise, like he also wanted to get an idea of what this did look like. I really do think there is some, some like basketball equity in that or value, whatever you call that. Like, like to build, to build some knowledge. Also, this is just me being an asshole. Like, it also allows there to be some, some pressure and some cost to Doc's decision making. Yeah. Like, like not to say like, oh, get rid of him, but of like, you know, there's a couple things in play. Like, they won't be paying a third coach anymore, or second coach anymore, right? This is Brett's last year being paid. I don't know. I think – I'm not saying Daryl's trying to get him out. I'm just trying to say there's benefits for the Sixers fans too. Obviously, right. they've had it done. Um, yeah, of course. But just – you know, and this isn't like a trial period like does James want to be here? I don't feel like that's what it is. It's a trial period like how far can they go and how how bad are the flaws that we recognize, right? Because like Mike Levin made some great points like how slow and like terrible and, and unathletic this team is. Those are things we want to address, right, eventually? Um, My question question to you is, like, with the Toby thing, like, even if he had, like, I have friends who are like, you know, let's just see what James can do. Let's see what James can extract out of him. And I just, I feel like I've heard this so many times with Tobias, like, just like, what will the conditions do to change him? And in the end, he's still a guy who's going to put his head down, have blinders on, and not really recognize the rest of the floor. Right. Tobias doesn't mold his game to other people's games.
1: Everyone has to mold their game around Tobias's. And that has been a problem for years now. And I think that Tobias, like my hope for Tobias is that, and this is one thing that I think will be hopefully the best thing for him. There's really two parts of it, but the main part is taking the decision-making out of his hands. Because Tobias, as you said, like he can get blinders. He can, he, he's not an initiator, He's not a good enough initiator to run an efficient, good offense. Doesn't get to the line a ton, not a great passer, doesn't process the game well enough, Right. is a good mid-range shooter, is a okay finisher, not very good for his size. His self-creation is pretty good, but it's not elite. And like when you get to the playoffs, you need to be able to create separation or you need to be able to be a really good, tough shot maker as a scorer. He doesn't really do either. But the one thing I'm hoping that Harden will do, and this is something that Ben did and it was more so in transition and like when those two were running actions from the top of the key together, like he was able to like get downhill more and just like focus on being more of a play finisher is what mm-hmm. the thing right. I keep bringing up. He's not the ideal play finisher because if you want a play finisher, you want a John Collins. You want a mm. a guy who's just going to catch lobs seventy percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 he doesn't even want to do that, by the way. But like that, right. that's the hard yeah. part is like finding those guys because a lot of the really good play finishers, which like I think Tyrese Maxey will benefit from this a lot in a James Harden, Joel Embiid offense as well, is that they're so good and they're so talented that they're like shit. I want the ball more. <laughs> yeah. And right. Right. Tobias is – we're going to have to see – this is really his last chance to be on like a legitimately good team and prove his value because he's proved his value on mid-teams. He proved his value last year during the regular season on a good team. Absolutely. And even – I will say I think some of his playoff struggles have been a little bit overblown. I think that defensively he struggles a lot for sure. I think that the help defense leaves a lot to be desired. I think the on-ball defense when – this was the other part I was going to get to. When he is engaged and like that he's like, I'm guarding Darius Garland, I'm guarding Chris Middleton, I'm last guarding- night he was
0: last night he was nice, yeah. He was great. Like yeah. he has
1: games where when he's locked in and he has the energy and he's and maybe some less offense is being run through him, that he can have games where he can legitimately lock up a really good player, which is a great sign. For when we get to the playoffs and we need to stick him on perimeter options. Now, I don't think he's going to be consistent with it, but I think that some of his playoff struggles last year, yes, game five was really bad. Game Mm -hmm. seven was really bad, but also Tobias Harris is never going to run a incredibly efficient offense once again, especially in the playoffs. And that's kind of what we needed from him in game seven. And like the idea is probably better than the reality of him as a play finisher, but I can't imagine that it's any worse than what we saw in those games when he struggled. And by the way, he was actually really good in a good chunk of the wizard series. And he had like two or three games in the Hawk series that were legitimately good too. And I do think that like maybe him just like simplifying the role for Tobias, this is the last chance that he'll have to show that now. I don't know if he's scalable. That might just be his ultimate issue. He's a power forward who likes to post up when we have a post-up player. And now we have a guy, two guys who are going to want to get to the rim. And, like, it does feel like a little bit of, like... Can I I know Tobias wants to put the team first, but, like, can he actually follow through with it is going to be and this is going to be the case study for that. If he can't, he's gone this offseason. We'll use every asset we have left to get off the contract and create more space. And if he proves to be a useful, good third or fourth option on offense and he can be more of that play finisher who plays like scrappy on ball defense and like hustles his ass off then maybe he can have a little bit of a renaissance as, as with less responsibility.
0: No, that's that, that would be the ideal, right? Like some level of adaptation, right? Again, confident. no, no. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the same exact like response I had to my buddy who like, again, and this happens, we talked about the human element of like, uh, you know, the experiential element of like, like the, and the liking the guys or wanting the guys on your team to be there. Well, that's sure. Toby. Like, Toby has all those things. He checks yeah, all he those boxes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Great dude. Like that's never the question. Um, and he does become the fall guy for a lot of things, you know? And he does. And, and also like, like, even when he's having a good game, people are just bitching about the stuff that he yeah, does. Yeah. It, it gets I'm ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things frustrating with Tobias and you said, this is just like how, um, like intentional everything is, you know, like when I can tell where you're going to be from six seconds from now, like, that's not great. You know like, what I It's like, the like, defender be, definitely knows <laughs> exactly. You're shooting, you're shooting a fadeaway pivot in the middle of the lane. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't have a ton of confidence. Uh, I, I don't know the analytical side of it, but just the human side of it. You don't see a lot of players change this, at this point in their career. My main thing would be if, some, if somebody could tell them you could make a lot more money – like, in, in the back end of your career, not like he's worried about that, just shoot a lot, buddy. Shoot. Yeah. Like, you're a good shoot. shooter. Like, you're not just, a great shooter, but you're a good enough shooter. Like,
1: if teams respect guys that are high-volume guys that shoot in the 35, you just need to shoot league yeah, average. Yeah, just jack it. You're never going to respect Matisse Thibol because they want no. Matisse Thibel to take that shot. He'll know right, yeah. He literally will be top 10 in wide-open threes every game until he can hit above league average on decent volume. Tobias right. Harris, if he was okay with catching and shooting and even getting back to like like he did this like his mm-hmm. first year with the sixers and that yeah. year with the clippers He shot five a game, like even if we could get five threes a game and like maybe that's because like I keep thinking about like does Doc's coaching really matter? Because like I'm a big talent can override bad coaching decisions that that you make on the margins that are like, okay, like if you have two Hall of Fame talents like the Sixers do now and you have this rising star in Tyrese Maxey and you have like basically coaches on the floor, defensively you'll have Embiid as the coach. Offensively, you'll have Harden as the coach, and like he just went to George D. Yang and was like, "You don't drive, dude. You shoot threes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get yeah, yeah. Mills, Tyrese Maxey. Like, can Tobias?" If James Harden can get through to Tobias and be like, dude, I'm going to get you any fucking bucket you want. I'll even give you your little bullshit mid-range if if you want to get into your spot. Yeah, exactly. But the ball is going – every possession, the ball is going to start with me and Joel Embiid and you and Maxi and whoever that fifth starter is, is going to be revolving around our actions. And we're going to put you in a place to succeed, and it's up to
0: you to buy into that role. Yeah, the only empathetic connection I have with Doc is when he goes like this. When he throws his hands up, (laughs) whenever Tobias – Like Tobias! Yeah, when he quickly, quickly, quickly checks out. When he quickly checks out. Um, And, like,
1: you got to give Doc credit, dude. I'm – like, like, Doc – and once again, X's and O's, not great. Decision-making, not great. I'm not really sure what he does that keeps the team –
0: Yeah, going. Like,
1: inspired (laughs) and going. Like, I – but, like, we're in third place in a really good Eastern Conference without <laughs> Ben Simmons and now James Harden, and now we don't have Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, and we just beat one of the best teams in basketball. Like, one of the reasons why I really don't think coaching matters all that much, unless it's, like, a game seven of a finals and you have, like, Eric Eric Spolstra going up against right. whoever, or like or, like – if you have one of the great X's and O's guys, Ty Lu, like whatever, like 100, that matters. I'm not denying that it does. Where the
0: m- matchup minutia, right? Yeah.
1: Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. matchup minutia. Once again, just like p- talk about Nick Nurse, like being right. willing to like grind a team down. And do, weird, do weird, do weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like, ultimately, this team is going to succeed or fail because of the players that we put on the court. And Doc Rivers, the only thing that he's really going to have like, a a huge influence on is who he starts at that backup center position. Because the backup center... Because, like, the Morius forced his hands with staggering the lineups now. right You got James Harden, you don't have a fucking excuse anymore. You cannot right. do the all-bench lineups in the playoffs oh, again. God. Because we have a guy who can make the offense work when Joel sits. So now, with Doc, like, this is going to be... And, like, once again, I think he's a much better regular season coach than he is a playoff coach because of all of his shortcomings as a coach. But at the same time, like... I want to give, give him one more chance to be like, look, we have Hall of Fame level talents. I've won with Hall of Fame level talents before. I can figure this shit out to the point where I just let the the, the game go into their hands and I take a little bit more of a backseat because he's not like a micromanager coach it doesn't seem like.
0: No, that's one. Of, that's the thing. He lets it happen, right? Like he, when the house is burning down, he's like, "It will go out. It will stop." <laughs> you know, and, and like that's why. That's why it's so disappointing, right? Like every year, like last year, when every year it's been one year, but last year when, they, <laughs> would, when they last year when they would put Dwight Howard in up sixteen, it was like this beautiful, like uh, you know, like amazing barbecue grill, and some dude just comes up and pours like a gallon of water on it. Like that's what. Like that's. That's what it felt like. You just knew you were extinguishing what we had. That is a great point. I didn't think about that that like the actual um, like the active agency he's going to have in our outcomes is going to be those decisions. Those like there actually aren't that many like main decisions left in that sense. I did it did find it encouraging to think about how well he's like created offensive environments for players. Like even for Ben last year, I thought like he was able to create some things for Ben to hide things and but again, it hit a wall in the playoffs, but I still just find comfort in knowing that, like, we used to be this team that was built for the regular season that would run into a wall, and now it seems like we're a little bit more like not a sputtering team. We're right there, but we're going to be the team that is going to have to stick around. We're not. I don't think this is going to be a dominant second half. I could be wrong. It could all just work, and I could be wrong. But long story short, I think what's going to happen is that we're a playoff team finally. Like it seems like it. Like like we, we can win those ugly grind out. Nasty games is my hope. Whereas before, it was praying for Joel to like to to take a nap when he looked tired. Like, I like, <laughs> mean, like, like when Joel was tired, there was nothing more defeating for a Sixers fan because you knew there was nothing else. Absolutely. So. And and one of the things that
1: I I do still struggle to see how this is a championship level defense when once again your best defenders are a rim protecting big who. Is amazing. And I do think that the narrative has been so crazy, and I still hear people saying, well, drop coverage can't work in the playoffs, and I'm like, the Bucks just won the title they running just did it. drop coverage last year. Like, yeah, like yeah. yes, they had the P.J. Tucker lineups that they could go to, but Brooke Lopez was still playing the majority of the minutes, right. and – oh, once again, it does help when you have Drew and Giannis, and like I'm not even going to compare the Sixers' surrounding talent to that. But the idea that you can't win with a drop big doesn't make any sense to me because after game one of the Hawks series – when um, Doc Rivers sent D- uh, Danny Green the, out to pasture. Right. And he basically f- – they figured out that throughout the series. The defense was not the problem. Right, it, yeah. it only was in the first half of game one. By game three, we had them totally figured out offensively. It was the half-court offense that could not generate anything. Anything. Was, and when Joel was off the court, it was a fucking disaster. Yeah. It was not great when Joel was on the court, but at least we had something that we could go to. And I do think that this is going to be a big mo- – this is going to be a big moment in Harden's career, and this is going to be a big moment in Joel and Bede's career of defining who they are as all-time players. Because I think that they are already, from a talent perspective, are two of the – you can debate with a wall. Joel and is one of the 50 greatest players of oh, all he's time. He's in a canon. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Like he's second straight season of MVP level play he's been since he's been a healthy player in the NBA has been an all-star all NBA level talent every single season and gotten better regardless if he if his career ended tomorrow knock on wood he would be one of the great like he's already one of the 75 clear I think he's one of the 50 greatest basketball talents of all time. He's
0: the most natural scoring big that's ever played, like in it's terms quite, of how natural it is. Like it's, it's again, like I've said this, but he literally has the highest points per 36 in the history of basketball. It's insane. And, and, and every time I post that, someone's like, well, Chamberlain, I'm like, you don't know how to divide by 36, homie. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Will Chamberlain played 90 minutes a game and also
1: he wasn't real. So shut yeah. up. But, yeah. So, but just like kind of like this idea of like James Harden's one of the 30 35, whatever you consider, wherever right. he is in terms of basketball talents of all time. Joel Embiid is one of the 50 greatest basketball talents of all time, but their legacy will be defined, not necessarily this season, but their during their tenure. This partnership, yep. Eighth. This partnership for the next three, four years. And by the way, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think James Harden is going to age so much better than people oh my think he will. It doesn't make any sense to me. I
0: I was screaming Chris Paul like before, like this summer. I was screaming Chris Paul because I I said Chris Paul, but back when he was in Oklahoma City,
1: I was like that offseason. I was like, how are we not like like going after this guy? Because he had he's coming off a hamstring injury now. Same age. And Harden's doing uh, even younger, and he's right. doing the same thing that happened
0: with Chris Paul, I and mean, we all just have fucking amnesia. Yeah, and I and I get it, and people can say, "Oh, take care of themselves," all these other things. Like, I have no idea about any of that stuff. Like, sure, yeah. James has his reputation. My main thing is just the skill set, because you can like you can like cherry pick here and cherry pick here, but like you don't see like skill sets like this erode. This no. isn't like a. Like this isn't the fact that the people some say this like Russell Westbrook is just absurd. They're completely different how they get their stuff done. Westbrook was Iversonian, and like he needed yeah. his he needed his first step. Yeah, this guy it, literally he grew up I, I, he grew up idolizing manager Ginobili. I Meaning like, that was actually the guy, so what a weirdo. Like he didn't <laughs> like <maybe laughs> that that's awesome. Weird. Yeah, like he didn't have a first step to begin with. He was like I'm literally gonna like goofy foot this whole thing. So I, I suppose just like there's um. But there's something beautiful about that, right? Having this idea that, like, they're defining the the defining elements of their career. This this passage is going to be it. Like, when you remember it, you're, no one's going to remember, go back and say, oh, you remember that month that, that Harden averaged 50? Like, that'll be a footnote. That'll be more important if he wins. But, it, yeah, this is it, and it's exciting. And, um, you know, we have James Harden, so who gives yeah. a shit? And going back to your point about the
1: playoffs is, like, they've already proven they're two of the greatest regular season players of all time. Yeah. And right. they've had moments in the playoffs where they have proven that they're the greatest players of all time, but they both have not had a stretch run. And you, you can blame that on injuries. You can blame that on other people. You can blame that on whatever, but every truly great player all time has at has least run. one run yep. where you just go, they're the best or yep. they're one of the greats. Yeah, And yep. they were, you know, like I, and, I I give Harden weirdly enough I give Harden and Joel's still very young so like you have yeah, to give yeah. him some a little bit of a break too but I give Harden maybe the biggest break of any superstar even before he got to the Sixers I was like
0: dude his best years was up against the KD Warriors. Like they, they, we forget how quickly they, how close they were. You know, uh Maury mentioned it, you know, their, their championship odds spiked to 60 or whatever it was like, yeah, because you almost took down like the dragon. Like they were literally and a fully healthy, the actual year, like the true year, it was the middle year where like, you know, it wasn't the integration year for KD. It was the middle year where they were just unstoppable. Yeah. And they had them on. They really did have them on their back foot. They were that close to it. And, um, that's the other thing that I love about Maury, too, is that he was willing to go after that, that he was willing to chase. He didn't, like, let that throw him off. And now, like he said, he's been saying this is the most wide open, the most parody driven NBA I've ever seen. Right. So.
1: It's like the East is re- – it is so funny because last year his whole thing was like, yeah, Brooklyn's really good. Yeah, but I'm not worried that, about that. I yeah. went up against the KD Warriors. I went up in the Western Conference when it was fucking stacked. I'm right. not worried about that. And then you turn around and you look at the East this year and you're like, shit. Yeah. It's wide open. Don't get me wrong. We just had a week where we lost to the Boston Celtics by almost like the most amount of points in franchise history. And then we beat the defending champions with their big three playing without our second best player because Joel Embiid proved like that. That matchup last night was personal. for him. Oh, my God. That was incredible. Him and Giannis are cool. Like they're they're friendly and like they respect each other. But like. Joel has heard everything that has been said about Giannis after last season. and He has heard everything that people say. And, like, yes, Giannis has way more accomplishments than him. And maybe Giannis is just the new LeBron. Yeah.
0: Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. he is.
1: I don't know. Like, he's an amazing, uh, insane talent. But Joel went into that game and was like, I'm on this guy's level and I need to fucking prove it. And I'm going to take over the game. And I'm going to score 40 points. And I'm going to fucking do everything in my power to win us this game. And we did. And if we get those kind of performances out of Joe and and James Harden in the playoffs, it will completely redefine who right. they are as players. And just speaking on, like, the hierarchy in the East, I literally – speaking of parody, like, a week ago, I was like, well, there's clear tiers. After the trade, I was like, of course the first tier is, like, Milwaukee and if the Nets are healthy and us and maybe Miami is, like, a half a tier down or, like – Maybe mm-hmm. because of the matchups they get. But now I'm like, there are like six or seven mm-hmm. teams I could see winning the East, and I would be like, Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We talked about it before the show, like, and the word switchable, how terrible it is, or big wings. <laughs> Whatever we want to use, there's a lot of interchangeable athletes in this in this conference. I don't know what like there there was a shift in talent. These teams started collecting, right? But there's just a good I don't know what it is. There's there's I don't want to play a lot of these teams. And it's not fear. Cool. It's like not fear. It's just like it's also you just don't want to get into one of these like beat you down series and limp out of it. And like one of those series where it's a, it's a war of attrition and like you you, you kind of you win, but you also enter the next series really compromised. It's That's going to be because the Because of
1: Harden's injury. Right. And because of Embiid's like history and like sure. in the playoffs, like, like it does feel like. It could be one of those years where, like, and I said this on the trade deadline podcast, and I'll say it again: is like, dude, like, we could be seeing the best Sixers team of the Joel Embiid era because of James Harden, and we could lose in the second round. And now I'm like, there's a world where we could lose in the first round. And what's crazy is like, as much as I don't want that to happen it wouldn't be the end of the world to make, like, everyone right, would get right. their no, I, I get it. off, and everyone would be fucking, oh, Joe yeah, and yeah, yeah. Darden, and da-da-da, and I would be like, the East is really fucking good this year, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Like
0: we could run into
1: fucking Chicago in the first someone's round. Someone's oh, yeah. gonna get embarrassed.
0: Yeah, so no. Someone's gonna, like, not everyone's gonna escape this first round. It's gonna be brutal. Like, those top four teams are gonna have to, like, that's gonna suck if you, like, win the second yeah. seed, and it's like, hey, welcome to Toronto. You know what I mean? It's like... Right,
1: exactly. Like, that's the easy <laughs> matchup. Yeah, to
0: yeah, and Toronto. Yeah, a bunch and, of young wings who jack threes, and then Fred Van Vliet's running around scoring 40. It's not fun. So, yeah. um, but it's also exciting, because uh, the not that, that, but to be in the Power Conference, and to be at the, the top of the Power Conference is exciting, and whatever you have to go through, you do in the NBA history. Meaning, like, like the path, you don't define the path you go down, you just have to do it, and I don't know it's been a soft east. It's almost funny that we've been that we built the process in this incredibly like vacant east Yep. and and now the West is just like a couple of sad old stars. you know what I mean Crazy. like mending the their knees like shifted yeah so what? it's- ex- it's exciting in that sense though too, meaning I kind of like the power thing I like the um I don't know. Stress is good when you're a Sixers fan because it's like what we thrive off of. We it's true. Off it
1: <laughs> is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's literally why people listen to my podcast, like Massicus. But the the thing is, is that like I don't want to pray for matchups anymore. We did right. that last year. Yeah. I've done that. Like we oh we got the easiest road to the Eastern Conference. So we lost in the second round. And yeah. this team is different. And it is. We have James Harden now, and, and even with his playoff struggles. I feel a lot more confident going into a game seven with James Harden than I do with Ben Simmons. And I look at the East and there are two teams that I think are really good teams. And this is not slights at them, but I am like, Milwaukee has the championship power. They have the confidence. They have the defense. They have all that stuff. And their defense didn't look great last night. And maybe Brooke Lopez doesn't come back and their defense just isn't that great. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's possible. Totally possible. But also they miss a ton of open shots, and, like, I'm not going to That was a shit game for them, yeah. I'm not going to wish that, basically. Miami, although we beat them last time, seemed to always be a little bit of a thorn in our side, even, like, just, like, historically speaking. Uh, Especially since they got Jimmy Butler, just kind of seemed to be a pain in the ass team. I don't really want to go up against them. Brooklyn, I would love to see that matchup. And there's so many question marks with them that I wouldn't feel terrible about going into it. But I do think if they can get everyone healthy, they are going to be really good. And, like, my whole argument after the trade deadline wasn't that Brooklyn isn't contenders because of the talent that they don't have. It's because they have more question marks than any team sure. I've ever seen in NBA history. So many
0: moving parts. Yeah, Weird. Yeah. Yeah, in, a, yeah, yeah. in a way
1: that is, like, undescribable. Right. And so there's that element of that. And, like, from a talent perspective, I think they're talented enough to win the title, of course. They have Kevin Durant. Like, that's really all you need. Yeah. yeah, And so there's that. And then the two teams that I think are, and like Boston obviously has had our number and just killed us the other night. So I'm not, I'm not jumping at the opportunity to see them in the first round, but the two teams that I feel pretty confident about going against are Cleveland and Chicago. Oh,
0: and it, absolutely. Yeah. And
1: it's not that those teams aren't good. Like I think they match up really well with other teams, Cleveland to me. And I might get bit, I might get bit in the ass by this statement, because Atlanta did it to us last year, but they also had Trey Young. My thing with Cleveland is they are extremely young and they showed their all of their flaws were on display against the Sixers the other night when we played them. And they were largely, I think everyone was healthy. Like, I don't think they were missing any of their core pieces. And the shooting for them is the thing that I'm just like, they just don't have enough guys that will make you pay. Their defense is really good, but they don't yeah, have yeah. anyone who can hang with Joel. Now that we have Harden, I feel pretty good about the fact that they really don't have anyone who can hang with him. And then defensively, I feel like because they don't have multiple perimeter options, their two two of their three best players are kind of post base guys that I feel pretty confident mm-hmm. going into a series against them. And then Chicago, it is the one team that we've weirdly had their number. Like, they – Jolene has never lost to the Chicago Bulls. And they're a really good team, but, like, Matisse seems to, like, somehow poison Zach Levine's mind when they play them. And, like, I'll live with the results of a Chicago series if we – if it comes down to it and we lose because DeMar DeRozan goes Kobe and it's just like, what can you do? But I feel like Cleveland and Chicago, regardless of like how I feel about them as teams overall, are our best matchups that we should wish for in the first round.
0: Oh, absolutely! Like a four-five setup with Cleveland would be beautiful. Um, yeah. Again, not to, and it's not disrespect at all. Like I think it's really cool no, what really they've done. Good. It's that their strengths like are also our strengths, but we, we're greater at them. Meaning like yes. interior scoring, interior defense, or whatever, and. Yeah, they just don't. It's too clunky. They don't have enough. Its styles make fights. They're like a Ravens type team, in, you know, football. Like they just can't win every style of fight. You know, like exactly. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to come in and if if we were shooting, they wouldn't be able to keep up with that. Um, Chicago, to me, it's also about health, right? Like they're just not. Like they've been they've been cursed all year with health. For sure, it's also to me just vooch. Like like he just has nothing at all for Embiid, and also it's it's nothing the the opponent can do about it because you can't. What are you gonna do? Take off this incredibly like high efficient like they need his offense. Of course. And they need his size. So it's one of these, like, I mean, it's like their poison pill, I think, is that, like, Vooch will just never even hold a, a candle to. And, and ironically, Vooch being, like, the starter of the process. So, you know, yeah, being exactly. traded for for Bynum. But, like, it, you know, I guess my point is those are the matchups. But again, like, it's going to be funny because I'm sitting here saying I'm not going to match up hunt. And, like, the last night of the season, I'm like, we just need this and this and this to happen to host Cleveland. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, and, I then, don't, I don't and then Darius Garland's going to score 50. And Game one. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't want to see Giannis in the like. I don't want to see I don't want to see even though Jimmy and uh, Miami's offense, especially their late game offense, has struggled this year. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go up against Jimmy and uh, that Miami defense. Like there are just certain guys that I'm just like. Even Trey, like I, we would – I think that this version of the Sixers would beat them just because offensively we could muster up some stuff. Right. But even Trey, like I still feel like we're going to struggle against that kind of guard when we're running mm-hmm. a drop and we don't have any elite perimeter – defenders except for our one guy who's bad on offense you're like letting him get downhill right yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like he will always break through that first level of defense no matter right. what you do and then that's going to cause us to go into rotation and we're going to have to clean every mess up every single possession and it's going to make him tired and it's going to like like the 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 first round match was like i would feel confident going into a matchup like if we got the one seed and they got the eight seed or something sure but at the same time, like it would be nice just to like kind of kick their fucking get a ass and like <laughs> get yeah, it, yeah.
0: just get it over with. Exorcism. And, like, yeah. Make
1: them be the team that blows it up. Like John Collins is gone after the season. Like, like right. and I've actually been thinking uh, just kind of about like two things when it comes to like the way that Maury has built this team. One thing is we talked about Tobias Harris, and we talked about like his utility as an offensive player, as like more of an off-ball guy, play finisher. Can James Harden and Joel Embiid figure out a way to make Matisse Thybulle a 25 per minute game guy that is not Oof. like a total because like I just brought up John Collins and it made me think of this, but it's like, do you remember last year when Trey Young was able to get past that first level of defenders and everyone had to panic and rotate? And that would leave John Collins completely alone on yeah. the baseline and baseline, able just to sprint cut. down and yeah. roll, catch yeah. oops. And it was just unguardable basically because it's like Joel can't guard three guys at one time. They just manipulated the space. Yeah. Yeah. They beautifully. The vert like like, that is the thing that I think that like could Matisse. I don't think he's going to be as good as John
0: Collins or Clay Capella. But but can he attack that, that void? Right. Can he attack that
1: void and be a guy who just is like basically a baseline lob catcher from James Harden because he's, proven to be able to do that like he's very athletic it's the problem with matisse is when he gets the ball in his hands oh god yeah 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 <laughs> it's like he he in theory could be a good play finisher instinctively could, yeah yeah it's like he remove the thinking those
0: things. yeah you have to remove all thinking i think for him with the ball like it just it has to be immediate anything after a second is like a negative it really exactly. is exactly,
1: which is why the cutting has really improved in right. the game a lot. But just like thinking from like a like, I listened to this podcast early in the year, Pound the Rock, which is sure. one of my favorite podcasts. I love, I love those guys; they're really good. But they, um, they did this thing about like how Brooklyn and the Suns and the Clippers last year, these jump shooting teams, have kind of made it so that, um. Like, getting to the rim isn't as necessary for, like, high-power offenses like it was because team – it's basically a market correction. So, like, the market inefficiency was – the. I I don't really know how to fully describe it, but basically they were, like, teams focused fully on – Protecting the rim and stopping efficient like corner threes and things that are like easy points that teams will math wise like the go to yeah yeah, yeah. You know, what the Rockets did what the Warriors yeah. did like yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what those teams did and it made it it, it created this market for good mid-range shooters who, like, when the defense takes everything away and they leave you with Chris Paul and Kevin Durant and now, like, the Nets have, like, five of the greatest mid-range shooters in the NBA right, right now. DeRozan,
0: they're right, like, yeah, 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 Horrifying.
1: Yeah, DeRozan, those kind of guys can kind of fit into this. And my thought is, is maybe Maury's looking at it like, well, I have Joel Embiid for that because mm-hmm. even if he's not a 55% mid-range shooter, even if he's a 47%, 48 he's going to draw enough fouls. And the, fra- gonna- the, the,
0: that the point for possession is already – yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. It will even itself out. James is not a great mid-range guy. Neither is Tyrese. Tobias is pretty good but not great. Maybe he looks at it like we're going to correct the market back again, like where the market inefficiency will be getting to the rim.
0: Threes and rims, right, 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 right.
1: James is not finishing at the same rate that he has in the past, but he's still getting to the rim. And Tyrese gets to the rim. Mm -hmm. And if you can try to use Thibol in that kind of like lob catcher, play finisher, cutter, collapse and dish, right? To the rim. So like basically, is he looking at it like the market inefficiency now is like rim pressure? Right. And we need to get as many guys around Joel. Like you think you're like, you need shooting around Joel, which you do undeniably. Everyone knows that when you, we saw it last night when Georgie Yang and Furkan Korkmaz and all the high volume shooters are hitting their threes, the Sixers are unstoppable on offense, but maybe he's thinking when the team scheme to take that away, We'll have three or four guys who can just constantly get to the rim and that we won't have to worry about basically teams doubling Joel, about teams staying home on shooters. Sagging. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And like yeah.
0: this new this new style will be Joel plus rim pressure, guys. Well yeah because I mean like you, like Matisse is never going to attack a closeout like dribbling. And so like his way to attack it is like that they used to call it like the Wade cut like but you know Wade Wade had that threat of screwing you off the dribble but meaning like just collapse that collapse that space. I think that's interesting because one Doc does, is Doc is really good at creating like offensive roles. So hopefully that's one of them. Um, and I think it's imperative to find ways to get that guy on the floor. Like yesterday was the absolute you know, the ultimate, like, like evidence, like we love to look at plus minuses, but that was an accurate plus minus, like 14, like, like that wasn't one of those like runs thing. That was like, he was, he was incompatible with winning yesterday. Yeah. And yeah, that's what it comes down to is you can't play four on five. And um, we just played four on five for too long. I, I don't think that's really true with Ben, but I think it reduces to that. So yeah, it's exciting to think. I just like the idea that we have a multiplier. You know, like I love the idea that we have a multiplier finally in, in James. That like guys who we can we can get creative and make up new roles that might never happen for Matisse Stiebel, but because but because but because he's so good, we can imagine them. Like Ben Mclemore was like shouldn't be in the pros. <laughs> like meaning like there's no like meaning like Harden and Mori have had that happen before where they like unearth they unearth these yeah shit. Uh, PJ Tucker came from China or yeah. Deshaun, Deshaun Tate was like also like I know that that was Raphael Stone, but it's through the same philosophy of like bringing over like wings and being like shoot 10 threes if you want to play in the pros. Yeah, and so I'm excited by that. And if it's not in in his skill set, and it's pretty clearly not in Matisse's skill set, right? To be, you know, at least I now, would love. I mean,
1: I don't think that he'll ever become a knockdown shooter, but right. like. Get him in the fucking gym with Drew Hanlon or someone that can just like
0: seriously give me some. I, I can't even. There's not even. He doesn't even give us Instagram things to like to like to, to over overreact to. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I'll be like, oh, okay, is this hand on, different
1: yeah. on the side of the ball? I'm He's like,
0: like Matisse is like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I actually learned origami this summer. Like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, I traveled a lot. Yeah, uh, exactly. myself. You know, love of French. Last <laughs> last, last, last he said he worked on his. Uh, Help defense, and I was like,
0: "Yeah, it's like it's like when it's like when Ben when 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 Ben's trainer used to be like really worked on his finishing and his dunking." I was like, "Wait, what? Like, He's fine at those things. Yeah, like yeah. we don't need that." But yeah, You're trying to get Ben up to a full court sprint. I was like, "That's your off season goal." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it, it, it
1: does feel like I, I guess the Sixers are just cursed with. Australian players who are uh, insane defenders that might just never have any offensive utility on the team. But it will be interesting to see. Uh, ultimately, I'm just very excited for one week from now. Hopefully, we will get to see Harden with this team because I've just spent months dreaming about it and weeks talking about what it would look like. And these are just some some ideas. It's going to yeah. be really hard to figure this out on the fly, though.
0: Like, oh, absolutely! But again, that's kind of like what we said. That's the joy of it, right? It's like, the fun
1: of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: Like if
1: if we were going into the playoffs with the same team, I would be like, oh, "What the fuck am I gonna talk
0: about?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And and I, I think maybe that was the vibe in the entire organization. It just it really did feel like it hit a ceiling. Even even without Ben's, even without what happened last summer, even without the emotional off the court stuff, like or whatever. Really, exactly. I'm saying without any of of the actual um, issues that created the break. The basketball was coming to a head at some point, and it's not even like can they work together. Of course, they can work together in the plus minus sense, but like we still need to like win the games that like continue to we continue to lose. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like, look, I'm a process guy, but the results have been very bad. Exactly, exactly. I know. You keep telling me this T-shirt's confusing. <laughs> it's <laughs> like like it's like process over results. Yes, yes. So, in, unless <laughs> unless unless, dude, just give me. I, I really do just want a nice, beautiful playoff run. We deserve it.
1: At least st- give me two, three. Give me Maxi working out with Harden. Give me, exactly. Like, and, and when CJ McCollum left the Blazers, I don't know if you read his Players' Tribune article, but it made me feel really good about not trading Tyrese Maxi because yeah. even if we never win anything, even if we never get that playoff run or whatever, and they got one – like, yeah. got to the Western Conference Finals and got destroyed. Sort of, like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's more they, than most no, teams do. They had, some, they had some great nights on Twitter. Let's just say yeah. that. like, Yeah, yeah exactly. You
1: know? They were the clout team. They were fun. Yeah. But, th- like, reading CJ's article, which was basically about, like, the connections that he made in Portland and, like, coming up with Dame and, like, being the guys that, like, I mean, like, small dudes who, like, yeah, were, like, four, co- four-year college guys or maybe he was three years. I can't remember. Yeah. But, like. Just like against the grain and like fell in love with the city and had a real connection with the fans, like transformed the franchise. To yeah. There is more to sports than just like the lizard brain give me a championship. Like Absolutely. And I Absolutely. think that keeping Maxi through this trade deadline makes me feel an immense amount of joy. Because I just want to have, like, him and Embiid be, like, our guys. Like, even if we never win a title with them, I'll be totally content with, like, we got to watch two of the most talented players in the NBA. And Joel Embiid, one of the most talented players of all time. And they were, like, part of the culture and part of the, like, active members in the community. Like, it's just cool to see that, even if nothing ever comes from it.
0: Absolutely. Again, the experiential element. That was what the process was. When we looked back, it was all yeah. the, the, it was the pick swaps that we loved the most. You know what I mean? It was like, it was, it, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't like the, the, uh, it wasn't the number one picks. You know, it was nope. like it, Joel and all that stuff was fun. It was, it was the commercial break. Yeah. was What felt so good about the process was, it's was true. that stuff. It's,
1: our heart was one on the margins. I it? mean, real
0: quick last night when Maxi was at the line, they put up the long, the wrong line and said, it said Maxie had 42 points. And it I was like, like yeah. And that's why I said that I said, Holy shit. I was like, he has 42 points. There's no way. And then like, <laughs> I, mean, like, I was like, I knew he had like 18, but I was like, you know what? 18 tires, Maxi points feels like 42 points. <laughs> to me it's right like, now. It's, it's like so well, 42. And I'm like,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. yeah. yeah, but it's like,
1: that's what Joel does. Like, when Maxi scores 20 points, I'm like, that oh, yeah. might be the greatest player I've
0: ever seen. It's like living in, like, a live filter. There's, like, hearts popping out on my television. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, it's really enjoyable. You're right. And also, that's something that the process that we haven't had is is the the, uh, the fringe, like, the surprise development. And that's what's so, like, fun about this. We finally
1: so. got one. We finally yeah. got one, and it might alter the franchise. Exactly. Because I don't even know if they make their desperate enough to make this trade at the deadline. Like maybe all this stuff doesn't happen last year, but maybe we don't even get to that point because Tyrese Maxey is
0: not helping us win in game sure and like and now and then Mar- marty won't have to pray that like Zaire smith becomes uh gary harris or whatever his like dark dream was you know like so we've had a lot of dark dreams with our process guys and now finally one of them came true so
1: exactly we finally got a hooper and now hopefully they can make a run all right i have to go to sure oh
0: so yeah
1: thank you so much jimmy for coming on i had a blast um i'll put every i'll put the description down there with jimmy's twitter and stuff go follow him
0: um and uh i'll talk to you again soon go sixers peace